face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Motion pictures have always been obsessed with space. Ever since 1902, when Georges Méliès sent a bunch of people in top hats to the moon in his voyage to the moon, there has been countless space films and space TV series and space games. And if you want to do a film set in space, well, then you need visual effects, because it's not that practical to actually shoot a film in space. So every space film is also by default a visual effects film. So how do you create deep space visual effects? Let's dive into the black hole of space VFX. Let's go to space and beyond. I'm Nils Lagergren and this is Yellow Brick Road, a podcast about visual effects, animation and digital mastery. And today we're going to talk about space VFX. To help me, I have two experts from Goodbye Cancer Studios, film buff and motion capture guru Anton Söderhell and director Laurent Clermont, who spent last winter directing a bunch of space game trailers for Mass Effect Andromeda. Welcome. Thank Thank you. Laurent, we haven't had the pleasure of having you here at Yellow Brick Road before. So uh, how did you find your way into the world of animation and visual effects? Um, I think I went to an art school. Uh, I, want, uh, I was quite attracted by uh, intelligence artificial back then. Uh, but back then when you study uh, engineering uh, for doing robotics, uh, it was quite, uh, you know, really a concept, intelligence artificial. So, and we are talking about like maybe 20 years ago or something. Mm. So the only expectation you could have, it's like uh, designing toys for kids or like, uh, you know, the tickets that you put it into a machine and Mm. then it gets printed. Mm. So the alternative was really like uh, animation because you get this uh, illusion of life. And that was why I was interested by intelligence artificial before. And it was a nice mix because I could miss mix uh, art and techniques doing 3D. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I went into animation. I started doing like an internship. Uh, so I started with 2D animation. And then the 3D technique got developed more and more. And then I work on 3D animation for TV series and uh, feature film. And then, uh, yeah, I think after like 10, 15 years of doing that, uh, I went into direction. Um, which is fun. (laughs) Let's start very basic. Uh, What's your favorite space film, Anton? Well, having to pick one. (laughs) Um, It's a a really tough question. I think, uh, I mean, of course you have the classics that you really, it would be a bit too obvious to pick one of them like 2001 a space odyssey that's of course <laughs> epic in mm. all, all 
the terms of the... But it is a great space film. It is a great sp uh, space film. Um, another one that I really love is The Fountain. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's like it's split in three parts and one of them takes place in space. Uh, so maybe that doesn't qualify as a real space movie. But it's the dimension. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if, I, if I'm picking one like traditional, this is a, a journey into space, the vast darkness, or, well, in this case, the sun, uh, sunshine, if you've seen oh, yeah. that one. Danny Boyle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I really didn't have any big expectations going into the cinema for that one, but uh, yeah, I walked out, walked back to the, the ticket booth, got another ticket for the next showing and saw it again because it was just <laughs> really kind of moving me in a, in yeah. a nice way. Hmm. And you, Laurent? Uh, I think I like the space that is scary, so I will say like Alien, mm. even though there is no much space in. It's lots of space in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the opening is great, I mean, uh, and I think it's what I like about like Ridley Scott movie, that it's usually space is really scary, mm. where like in Star Wars it's not so, space is not so scary, it's just like, uh, I don't know, a road, mm. like where, where they are traveling. Uh, so I think uh, Alien will be my first. And I think it's like one of the first movies I saw as a kid. Mm. So I think I must have been like maybe less than 10 years old. My grandparents were like, uh, you know, having this uh, cassette where they could record the TV and then they were looking at it during the afternoon. So I remember this uh, feeling, you know, of like super scary scene when you have like the little, uh, I don't know what it's called, like the hand. The, fa the face hugger. Face hugger yeah. is running into the lab. And I remember that, and uh, I remember it was super scary. Mm. But I never really, you know, understood the film since I was too small. Um, but then later on, I don't know, it's, maybe it grew in me and stuff, so that's why I think Alien was, like, the best mm. for me. Uh, but like, that's basically, I mean, like a horror film set yeah. in space, in a way. Uh, how do you think, how, how does storytelling in space differ from storytelling on Earth? I mean... Is it just a setting, or a... that's a mighty philosophical question? Yeah. <laughs> well, falling back on on my pick of the of the space film, then uh, like Sunshine, it's uh, it, it creates this kind of bubble of of isolation, which allows you to have a very intimate uh, uh, way of telling the story. I think, and you can also really change the the narrative through uh, outside factors. I mean, you you could be two people having dinner at a spaceship and then you get hit by a, a asteroid mm. or something and it could completely change it. So you have those kind of uh, natural opportunities to change the narrative the way you want it to go. Uh, I mean, I guess it's the same in Alien in a yeah. way because you have this... It's a regular crew, they're out on one of their oh. thousand missions, but this one goes wrong because we're in space and mm. you don't know what happens. Yeah, it's a setup. You're like almost like uh, in a jail, you know, because you can't escape. Yeah. And then having a monster in there, uh, high, higher the tension. But I think as well, like in terms of like storytelling, you know, like uh, that's why I like the Kubrick movie as well. It's like it's really slow. Mm. Uh, because it's like this vastness mm. and like, uh, you know, it never stops. 
so you know, like the distances are like super great. So I like when it's like shot uh, quite slow and like when the story is quite slow as well because mm -hmm. I think it reflects a bit the uh, I don't know emptiness and the infinity of it. Mm. Maybe. Why are space stories so intriguing? Well, for me, it's uh, it's this kind of setup where you uh, you have all the time in the world to uh, explain the the inner journey of the of the characters, but you also have this external journey that's kind of driving uh, the narrative and the development of the characters, um, and it's it also gets very visual where you can kind of reflect the internal journey in the external journey you could have long periods where you're just traveling through kind of darkness and then when something else happens it usually also reflects what's happening within the within mm -hmm. the minds of the characters um and that's also something that i mean of course, we, we can't avoid the question of realism when it comes to, to space movies. Mm. Um, but for me, like if, if, if you think about like how important realism is, you would probably be bored to death if it was a, a fully realistic space movie. <laughs> yeah, it would go on, for, on forever. <laughs> yeah, it would be six months of, of nothing. <laughs> um, but, but, but one of my favorite space movies uh, is Gravity, uh, and for me uh, it, it feels, well, actually quite realistic. Uh, and, and you talked about the slow pace, but I mean, I mean the beginning of that film, the action there, it's like really intense. Uh, but, and also this sense of gravity f or the lack of gravity throughout the film. Uh, how did they do those effects? Yeah, I actually have a, an old colleague that uh, was uh, in early discussions about working on the, the previous, uh, on that movie. And I think I read somewhere that they thought they could make the movie in one year, mm. and it ended up taking almost five years mm. to, to finish the movie. Um, and through the complexity of, of keeping it as real as possible, uh, they they had to kind of uh, previous visualize the whole movie, mm. um, and they did that through all kinds of of different methods. I mean, it's the same methods we use for our uh, our productions. They just had to to take it beyond <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what you normally do. Uh, so I think I read somewhere that they started with um, blocking video. Uh, to just kind of set up the the shots they were gonna have, and then they moved into to keyframe, and the keyframe animators also had to think about, because well, animation is all about understanding gravity on yeah, Earth. Yeah. That's that's the reference point we have. So you had all these great animators that went from having twenty years of experience on animate animating uh, characters on Earth with gravity going into space, having no gravity. Um, and I, I think you can really see it in the movie as well that it's uh, it, they had experts in the field there. They, of course, they probably looked at a lot of reference footage, but I'm, I'm quite sure they had a consultant from 
from that that have been in space. Um, but most of it is CG. <clears throat> yeah, like about eighty percent of the movie mm-hmm. is CG. Yeah, just the face are real. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But there's also these, uh, which I saw in behind the scenes uh, back when the film was released, that they built like a, a light cage uh, to replicate the, well, all the the light sources mm. in space. Uh, so when they're tumbling in space, you have Earth just kind of spinning around you in this light cage. It's kind of hard to describe it uh, <laughs> verbally. <laughs> it's a very visual thing. Uh, but then also the actors were suspended in a, like a, a rig that could shake them and, and move uh, them uh. within this cage. Mm. And then also a, a motion-controlled camera that could move in and out to create the kind of the the emotions uh, intended, but that was then again to kind of capture the the non CG parts mm. of the movie. Um, for for the 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 no gravity human motion, uh, they uh, in the previous stage they started planning a lot of the wire movements the actors would have to do. And but then you also have the issue of a wire is working with gravity. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the the actors that worked with it had to practice so much that they could act as the wires weren't there. There's, there's yeah. no wires. Um, and then when they had everything planned out, they had to replicate it all again, <laughs> but with the with the real actors, uh, or the, the real actors, the, the star actors of the movie. Um, Super complicated, but but the result is amazing. Mm. Uh, and when I say that it feels realistic, uh, uh, it's actually I, I, my dad. He's eighty years old, and he refuses to see any film that doesn't feel realistic. So he can't see Pippi Longstocking because if he he don't believe that a girl can lift a horse. But when he saw this one with me, he felt that it was realistic. So that, that was a big thing for me. Wow. Oh, has to be realistic. But to come to the realism as well, when you direct it, uh, I have an example, like I was working with an animator, and then uh, the way you work, you design first on paper, but you design it so it's like really graphical. So it's Mm. becoming graphical because space is graphical. I mean, otherwise it will be just like empty, Mm. uh, like empty black screen. It's not so pretty. So first you design it on paper, and it's, it's limited, it's on paper. You don't have the proper distance or anything. Mm. So when I work with the animator, uh, he asked me a question where, you know, he, he was looking for something that was like physically correct. Uh, while when we work, you know, we are after a good picture. So it's not accurate in terms of like distance, the ship, spaceship is traveling. Or like maybe we don't know how fast the spaceship is traveling. So if mm. it's going to hyper speed, we just fake it. Yeah. You know, but we keep like a realism in terms of effect around it, mm. so it's not you know too crazy. But in terms of distance, uh, speed, um, it's all fake. Yeah. Mm. How do you you spoke about hyperspeed and so? How do you convey that in a space film? Like, like for example, when, when spaceships are going into light speed. Right? Yeah. Uh, technically, we just use a lot of motion, motion blur, and as well, you know, like the sound aspect, like mm. the sound design aspect of space, is really important. 
So, you know, you get like all this uh, deep sound, uh, even though space doesn't sound anything, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not realistic <laughs> in, in this term either. Uh, but I, I remember when we work on Andromeda, we found this guy at Redpipe. Uh, and he designed like, he had a sense for it, you know. So it was like bringing all this big bass that you actually don't listen. Mm -hmm. But right away, when you put it on the film, you feel like, okay, here we are in space. Yeah. <laughs> and then all the hyper speed, we used like, you know, this kind of like low uh, vibe sound uh, mixed with an explosion, uh, mixed with motion blur, maybe a little light effect on it. And then it worked. <gasps> and then you make the ship disappearing really fast. Yeah. And then it's working. I mean, yeah. in the Andromeda trailers, when they jump from hyperspeed into like arrive yeah. they basically just turn up uh, in frame yeah. but but then the, there's like a little smoke trail or something that, that shows that it has been moving yeah because it was going out so fast uh, from the screen that you had like uh, you, you needed to leave a clue uh, mm. a visual clue yeah. of like where did the uh, ship went so we had this little I don't know it's like a little glow that uh, disappeared into nothing Uh, just to convey the fact, you know, you convey the, I don't know, the distance, the speed you convey, like, it's almost like an arrow, where did the ship went? Yeah. But it's more like a, I don't know, a trick. I don't think it will do that in reality no. again. Uh, no one knows how it would behave in reality. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, and I think that's a super interesting uh, thing as well, like, what is real and what can you... But buy into in terms of realism in space because that effect for me it kind of heightens the yeah. the the feeling of space yeah. uh, even though my logical brain is telling me like well yeah. there can be no smoke in yeah, space exactly. uh, no sound is there. Yeah. it's like explosions <coughs> in space yeah, in, yeah like in Star Wars that was a, a big decision for them to yeah. to have sound in in space sound uh, and like kind of fire explosions which Obviously, can't exist in space. It's like the the warships in in Starship Troopers that that they even sink like ships in the sea in a way. It's like, right. It's not realistic at all, but but beautiful. But you can still, uh, you know, um, make some fake theories that kind of work. Like if you look at a plane that uh, passes the sound uh, limit, mm. you you can really see like some kind of like sound wave mm. uh, appearing behind uh, the plane. So you could think like, okay, so if you pass the speed of light, maybe you will have some kind of like light wave after the ship. Hmm. And I think that's why we, you know, that's use true. this. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, and that's super interesting because that's kind of, that's selling it to me hmm. as a as a viewer. I mean, of course, you can be the, the best servicer with your... Uh, all your books and facts and be like, nah, that's not yeah. how it works. Uh, but... Uh, for me it's kind of about not breaking the the immersion mm. if i feel that i am in this universe and doing that you kind of have to set up ground rules at oh. the beginning of of the movie or the trailer or the the product but for me it's very important that you don't break those rules say for mm. example in star wars okay mm. we have sound in space if there's then a sequence where a ship flies by outside another spaceship and you're inside and you don't hear that ship that would kind of destroy mm. that whole rule system um, y you've built up uh, 
But yeah, I mean, it, of course, it's, it's. But this, this is quite fascinating. So, so sound is actually extremely important for conveying space in space films, even though that sound does not exist in space. So, so it's like a movie convention that that is. Uh, I think it connects to emotion. So you need something, you know, otherwise it would be just a blank, silent movie. Mm. Mm. And then you wouldn't reach the emotion. Uh, so uh, Joachim at uh, Red Pipe uh, actually did extensive work. We actually had like two sound sessions for every film in Andromeda. And then what we did, it was actually we were setting up the ambient on the animatic level. Mm. And then we could actually work from the sound ambient. And then it was like, you know... Uh, you know, you bounce ideas w- almost with a sound effect, and then you discover some visual clue to it, mm. and then you develop like this. But I think like sound and picture in space need to, you know, work together. And, uh, yeah. Because another problem with space is obviously to convey the feeling that it's huge, but also that either that the spaceship is really small in space or that it's really huge. If it is really huge, you need to have a sound that, that, that makes it huge too, mm. in a way. Yeah, I th- like I think, um, well, you're probably the one, uh, Laurent, to, to say if this is wrong or not, but sound is is a very important tool. Like, you either use it or you remove it, and that could also be a way of, of mm. talking about how vast it is. Yeah. Um, in gravity, for example, there's there's not that much sound at all. Well, they have the the score, the, mm. the, but um, when they are outside, you don't hear uh, anything else. I think they, I might re- remember this uh, incorrectly, but you have sound when they connect with the spaceship. Basically, since you have air inside your space mm-hmm. suit, mm. that can transfer sound. Mm. Um, so whenever someone's touching a surface, or then then you have sound. But if there's no connection, if you're drifting off into space, it's just completely silent. Mm. Kind of your own breath guiding you to the to the dark. Your own panic breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they use it in different movies as well. But as you said, like uh, it's a setup. So if you choose a setup, you shouldn't get out of it in a movie. Otherwise, you wouldn't be convincing. Mm. Uh, when, when you directed the Andromeda trailers, what was your main uh, inspiration? Um, it's a bit hard to answer, but I think like first came the, you know, you draw the storyboard, and then you kind of try to find the rhythm into the music. So the client provided the music. There was like a one-minute loop that mm-hmm. we had to work on to make uh, it work for like four minutes. And from this music, you put it on the storyboard, and then you kind of like feel the rhythm. And then, uh, so it was a slow rhythm, a bit like, a, you know, um, I don't know, Interstellar, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hans Zimmer. Mm. You know, quite slow tempo, you know. So first you find the tempo, and since it was space, it was working really well. Um, I think if we would have chosen a, a music with, like, let's say, pop music yeah. or something going much faster, I think we wouldn't have made this, those films so slow. 
and then the feeling would have been different. The emotion would have been different. Mm. So I think like the first movie we did was like all about slowness. Uh, like even the camera motion is like super slow. I think it's like one camera movement on like a minute and a half. Mm. Uh, the, and then you have like a difference of gravity. Uh, so when we shot the mock-up, we actually shot it, uh, you know, you, you give direction for the actor to not move too fast. And then you enhance that in animation later on, you, you know, you spread the key, ah. the timing. So it's like it's walking even more s slower. Uh, and then you get this slowness, you get this kind of ambient with the music, everything work together. And it looks like space. And then suddenly it's working out. You know? <gasps> yeah, it worked out beautifully, I think. That's one thing I would, if we ever have the pleasure of doing oh. more space oh. to uh, to set up. Uh, I mean, we've done some underwater uh, motion capture tests. So if we could set up uh, a stage and shoot underwater yeah. for the like the space walks mm -hmm. on the planet, I think that could also help conveying yeah. that uh, the, the realism to it. Hmm. So. You, you mentioned your favorite space films. Uh, what kind of space film would you like to see that you still haven't seen? I have, uh, you know, this book from Arthur Clarke, uh, Rama. Uh, I think it's called like uh, Welcome to Rama. I mean, I wrote it in French, so I don't really know the English uh, <laughs> title. But I mean, it's a bit like, um, I think a lot of people got inspiration from uh, this book. Because pretty much they arrive on a cylinder, they don't know where it's coming from, but they have like some clue. And then it's all about exploration, so they land there and they send some people, and then suddenly the cylinder came to life. Uh, so they send people to, to you know, acknowledge what's going on, kind of. And it's a bit of a setup that you find in a really cool movie, like the latest Alien Covenant, it's the mm -hmm. same. They have this signal, they go down to the planet Earth and then they they explore it or like they try to find a clue mm. about what's going on and then everything go to hell you know and I, I love this setup you know so I think Rama would be a good movie mm. and I mean it's artwork like it's uh, you know Space Odyssey mm. so I would say like if you take a bit of Space Odyssey with the slowness of Space Odyssey but with a new technique like you mix uh, Alien Covenant uh, or even Blade Runner now uh, into together and then you get a, a good Rama movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that it gets made. You want to? Well, I mean, it, there's been this kind of wave of scientific uh, space movies. It's it's all been machines and kind of the, the, the tech, technological driven uh, stories. Um, I would really like to see a bit more of a. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna. Go <laughs> 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 I would. I would like to see more, uh, like space animals, mm. kind of like yeah. we have in the deep sea. Yeah, in, like uh, on on Earth. Yeah, Avatar was cool with that. This yeah. weird species. Yeah. yeah, but that's still based on a planet. Oh. You mean out in space? Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking out like it, maybe how kind of. Uh, fish moves mm. in the ocean that there's mm. this like huge uh, clusters of weird mm. aliens <laughs> you have the uh, grossly underrated Disney film Treasure Planet 
in which they are sailing some kind of weird <laughs> sailing ship, but in space because it's also a spacecraft. And there are whales in space. That's mm. yeah, kind of... That's very good. But you have as well consciousness. Uh, I read somewhere that the probability of having consciousness in space just out of like random matter together, mm. it's more actually, I don't know, maybe it's bullshit, but uh, it's actually most likely that it's happening in space just without a brain, you know, like consciousness without mm. a brain, that actually having a consciousness into a biological being. So it would be really cool to have like a conscious space kind of thing. How do you visualize that? Yeah. But isn't that kind well, Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. Volume 2, they yeah. had the the planet, which was oh, yeah. kind of conscious in yeah. a way. So maybe you could yeah, kind of follow that path and just make what certain galaxies or oh. certain uh, star systems yeah. be conscious yeah exactly but i think it's a idea behind a space odyssey mm. you know yeah. yeah i think we're onto something <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to to see these future space films and i hope that you will make them do you by the way have any favorite space effect a space visual effect in a film well, we've kind of talked about the the faster than light travel, which is uh, another like obvious choice. But I, uh, when I saw Interstellar and this black hole they are traveling around, and how that kind of bends light, and I guess it was also kind of the process they made it. My my scientific in internal geek is kind of triggered <laughs> by it, but that they actually based it on uh, real math mm. uh, to some extent, um, and it still looks visually completely stunning. Uh, when I saw the the frames uh, in in the cinema, it was like I'm, I was being pulled into this. Scary, and it was almost almost like it had conscious in mm. a in a way. It's like it really wants to 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 get in there. Mm. Um. You, Laurent? No, yeah, I remember. Like, I think it's the the opening of Contact. It was pretty cool. You had like a camera, oh, yeah. a camera. It's not really an effect, but it's more like a camera move. Mm. Uh, but then it's like the the camera was leaving from planet Earth and like following back the signal. But the camera, the camera was aimed at the planet Earth, and then it was like traveling back, like super fast. I think like almost like speed of light. Mm. And then you saw all the planets uh, passing by the camera. So like planet Earth were getting like smaller, smaller, and smaller. And then you get all the solar systems, and you start to get like to see the nebula and stuff. And it's almost like you get out from the universe, even though it's not possible. But yeah, and then everything was going tiny, 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 and then like just you know, setting up into a small, small uh, cell, I think. It's the sound also. Yeah. Uh, like, so once again, it's, it's the sound of the thing that makes it great too, that yeah. first you hear all the the communications we have today yeah. and, and then get less and less and less yeah. the further And it was silent, yeah. yeah. Was silent. That was a really cool, it's not really an effect, but that was a cool uh, storytelling into one camera movement. It is. It's, it's an amazing good. film, yeah. I think. Great. So, our time's up. It was nice to have you here. And welcome back. Thank you. Thank you.
And you out there, uh, as usual, you can see most of the things we talked about at the Goodbye Kansas website, goodbyekansasstudios.com. And this was actually the last episode of our first season, and we hope that you enjoyed it. And hopefully we'll be back with a new season pretty soon. So do mail us if you have any ideas or feedback or, or if there's something you want us to discuss and dissect in the next season. So until next time. Goodbye, à bientôt, auf Wiedersehen, wie hoch?